CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Looking forward to being with you for about the next hour as we get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible. And so we just want to encourage you to give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. So many things going on right now. The movie Jesus Revolution has come out, and I guess it's exceeded, far exceeded their expectations. They thought it was going to make about $7 million so far. It's right now at $15 million plus, which shows that there's a real desire for people to see good movies at the movie house. Not only that, but basically a true story about the life of Greg Glory in the early years of Calvary Chapel. And so anyway, great movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, I, I just really thoroughly enjoyed it as well. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker on about an hour before to every man and answer, John Randall from OC South Orange County, Calvary Chapel. Hi and welcome. Hey, Mike, great to be back with you here. Uh, happy Monday to you and all the CSN family. Excited for what we have in store today. Amen. Looking forward to answering some questions with you as well. And um, that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. And again, we set this time aside every weekday afternoon, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, getting a global Christian worldview of what's going on and also what we hear in church. Is it even in the Bible at all? And any more, so much of it isn't. We just want to encourage you to give us a call and we'll do our very best to answer those questions for you. 8888-ASK-CSN. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Doug on the line in Idaho Falls. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. You had a question about Exodus 16, Uh, verse 33 and 34, where it says, And Moses said to Aaron, Take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And now this is before they've gotten to Mount Sinai in Eritrea and ever heard about the Ark of the Testimony. So I was wondering if this is just foreshadowing that or is there something significance to this that it's happening talking about testimony before they're ever there okay john your thoughts well i do believe that it the testimony first of all is a reference to the ark of the covenant also referred to as the ark of the testimony or another way to say it, the ark of the testimony was the box of agreement and perhaps it was a foreshadowing that there was coming a time when the ark was going to be built and of course, the Lord was going to give Moses all of the blueprints, as as you were alluding to there, Doug, and he would create that or actually put it together. There would be those that would uh, make it out of acacia wood. It would be covered in gold. Of course, the mercy seat would be placed on top of it. Inside of it would be the Ten Commandments. In addition to that, there would be the manna. There would be the rod of Aaron that budded. And these things were to be kept in that Ark of the Testimony as they traveled. So perhaps... It was a a foreshadowing, uh, but I do believe that in Exodus 16, the testimony that is referred to would be the Ark of the Covenant that would come uh, later on revealed there in Exodus. 
Yes, and if you'll notice in verse 34, it, it says before the testimony. Notice that the word testimony is capitalized. So it's not just a testimony of, of, uh, of an event, but it's actually referring to something. And I believe that's why we find the capitalization there on the word testimony. I hope that helps. Yes, thank you. Uh, any other questions you have? Uh, maybe one more about uh, this. Back in Joel chapter 2, verse 31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming yes. of the great and awesome day of the Lord. I was wondering how to tie that in with maybe what was in uh, Matthew 24, talking about where it's at uh, verse 20, what is it here? Immediately after the tribulation of those those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. Basically there in uh, verse 29 and 30, I don't know if it's exactly the same thing because it doesn't say the moon's turned to blood. It says it doesn't uh, give its light. But, you know, the only other place I find about the blood moon is in uh, Revelation 6 on the sixth seal. Uh, And this seems to indicate, at least in Matthew 24, that immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. So it seems like it's right at you know, right at the end of the seven-year tribulation and before yes. Jesus' second coming. But in Revelation, it's talking, you know, Revelation 6, which we're, we're thinking is still partway into the tribulation, not at the end. I'm just wondering if that's maybe just an unrecorded event that's in Joel that's not in Revelation, or what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think you're going to have a lot of events. Um, when you look at what really happens, beginning in Revelation chapter 6 on, when the tribulation uh, begins, uh, I think you're going to have a lot of things like that. You know, uh, long before the end of the tribulation, the Bible says every living thing in the sea dies. All the trees are burned up. I mean, this is not at the end, but getting close to it. But when you look at Revelation chapter 6 at the beginning, you see the guy on the white horse, a guy riding on a white horse. He has a bow, no arrows, going out conquering and to conquer. I believe that he goes out diplomatically at first, thus no arrows. Um, but when those don't capitulate to his, the world doesn't doesn't go along with him, that join what he's doing, then he goes after them with war. And that's where we find the fiery red horse. And then, of course, the famine and the death that follow those. So what happens, even in that very first part of the Antichrist coming to power, where if it gets into some kind of nuclear issue, you've got a lot of debris up in the upper atmosphere, I think it's very possible that you could have these scenarios um, several times through the book of Revelation, but certainly nothing that will will meet what it was, what it will be at the very end of the tribulation. John, any other thoughts? Well, I would say, you know, just for all of our Bible students out there, you know, whenever you read Old Testament prophets, for example, like Isaiah or like Joel or some of these other prophets, one thing that is fascinating, Doug, and I'm sure uh, that you've obviously you're a Bible student, you pointed this out, but when you read these guys, sometimes they would their prophecies would have a very near fulfillment. And then 
right alongside of it, next five verses would be a future fulfillment. Then they're back to near fulfillment. Then they're back to future fulfillment. And and oftentimes they didn't exactly know when these things were going to take place. They were just told to write it down. I think of Daniel, when Daniel said, Lord, what does this mean? And the Lord said to Daniel, Daniel, seal it up. It's for a time after this. They didn't always know the near and future fulfillment. But I do believe that what Joel is predicting, when the sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, he's talking about the day of the Lord. And I do believe that is a reference to the tribulation, what's going to happen, the day of the Lord. And and you can go through the scriptures and see different examples of what is going to occur. So many things are going to take place. But one of the things that's going to take place is there's going to be darkness. And whether it's turned to blood, as Joel says, here's what we know for sure. The sun is going to be dramatically impacted during that great tribulation. And we also know that hasn't happened yet, which means that it is yet in the future. And I also want to say, we don't want to be around for that. We're going to be with the Lord. And the Bible says in his kingdom, there is no need for the sun because his glory outshines it. No need for it. But in the great tribulation, the sun is going to be dramatically impacted. One of these signs, uh, some people, Mike, it says they're even going to be burned by the sun. They're going to know where this burning heat comes from. They're going to blaspheme God. So I think these are things that are yet in the future. Yeah, it's interesting. They aren't blaming global warming. True. Uh, during the the tribulation period, they know it's an act of God. Now, something very quickly for everybody: there has always been wars. There's always been rumors of wars. There's always been famines. There's always been death, and all these kinds of things. These, I believe, are a direct result of man's rebellion to God. I believe they are part of a fallen world, a world that's been turned over to Satan's hands. But what makes the tribulation period different than all the other time? is that rather than man bringing these things upon himself or with the help of Satan, actually the tribulation period is where God brings these judgments upon the world. And that's why I do not believe that the bride, the church, is here during the tribulation period. I understand the devil coming after the bride of Christ. I understand the persecution globally that we've seen for the last 2,000 years. But when you find that these events in the book of Revelation are directly triggered by God himself and outlined as such in the book of Revelation, God has not appointed his church and let alone his bride unto his wrath. And that's why I believe the rapture has come and there will be tribulation saints that accept the Lord during the tribulation, we find them mentioned there in Revelation chapter 6 and throughout the rest of Scripture there in Revelation. But these events are brought on by, uh, these events are brought on by, by God, not by man or by the devil. And I think that's very interesting. And this is why I have to reject the churches here during the tribulation period, the, the uh, bride of Christ. Uh, so, uh, Hope that answers it for you, Doug. Yes, it does. Thank you. Well, God bless you. And uh, if you will like, stay online, send you out some books, DVDs, the movie Jesus. I think you'll enjoy that. Let's go to Darla, Burlington, Texas. Hi, welcome. Yes, I have a question. I've heard good things about this organization, and I've heard bad things. Who exactly are the Knights of Columbus? Well, they were founded founded out of the Catholic Church in about 18-something, 1882 or something like that, with the idea of doing good works and different things like this. However, there has been some real questionable things that have gone on there. Your thoughts? 
Yeah, I don't know very much about the Knights of Columbus other than I know they do a lot of charitable deeds, a lot of um, philanthropy, whether it's with hospitals and different things of that nature. But personally, I've never been involved in in the Knights of Columbus, so I only know of them by just probably like you, just hearing their what they're about and their origin, um, where they came from. But I don't know that they are at the at the present time. Um, you know, connected to any particular church or any denomination, Mike. I'm not. I'm not fully certain on that. Yeah, I I, I can't really comment on it because I I don't know that much about it. Um, but um, you know, they have I'll done you, some some charitable work. Go yeah, ahead. I was reading on their website. They have like a, a complete timeline here, and one of the things that it says that they were protecting Christians from 2010 to 2019, Iraqi Christians were displaced by ISIS and take refuge. And the Knights were building a program to support displaced Christians in the Middle East, including food and healthcare. So what I do know is a lot of it is philanthropy, charitable deeds, et cetera. Again, I don't know what their statement of faith would be, or even if they have one. Um, but that is just, that that's about what I know. Yeah. From what I, from what I understand, they're, they're, you know, they're, uh, just an outreach of the Catholic Church, uh, and, um, you know, with, with some deeds and things like that. And what I mean by questionable things, again, we still go back to another Jesus that is being portrayed. In other words, good works will not get you into heaven. And when the Catholic Church says Mary is also a co-redemptress, you can pray to Mary or Jesus for the forgiveness of sin, that is absolutely false. There's only one mediator between God and man, and that's Christ Jesus. So in the process of doing good deeds, but if you're sowing another Jesus, that's where I would have the objections. I do applaud anybody that tries to help people. That's good. But again, it isn't the good that hurts people sometimes. It's the other things that are added in that can really trouble you. Hope that helps. Yeah. Yes, it does. Thank you very much. Well, blessings to you, and um, uh, stay online if you like, send you out some books, DVDs, and let's go to Randy, oh, excuse me, uh, Sarah, Sarah Sparks, Nevada. Hi, welcome. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How can we help? Um, today, today I was, uh, while I was in homeschool, I was learning about um, the Bible, and this question came up to my mind. Um, what is the appropriate translation in the Bible that, like, exact words that Jesus said in Hebrew? Okay, John, your thoughts. What is the most accurate translation of the Bible? That's a really good question. You know, for me, Sarah, um, even before I was 10 years old, um, I grew up on the New King James Version of the Bible. And for me, it was easy to understand. I was able to follow it and track it. And a lot of the verses that I memorized as a little boy were from the New King James Bible. And even now, pastoring a church, I use the New King James Bible, although there are other translations of the Bible that sometimes may um, help me understand the Bible even more, or, or they might add something that I didn't see. So for me and for our listeners, Mike, sometimes it's good to compare translations. I don't want to get so far away from the actual meaning that we have, but I do think it is um, beneficial. It's a blessing, Sarah, to look at all these different translations. But for me, the New King James Version is the truest one uh, that, that I've grown up on. I understand it. I can grasp it. And that's the one that works for me. Mike, what do you think about that? 
Well, I, I teach out of the New King James. However, the Old King James is still my favorite. Mm. And it, I think, more, more, it's really one of the only Bibles you can do a word study on. Uh, in other words, if you find a word in the Old Testament, it will, it will cross over into the New Testament. Um, even in the New King James, they take some liberties I, I think they should not have taken where, uh, the man brings his son to, uh, Jesus said, my son's, and, and the Bible, the, the original language says, my son is a lunatic is what it says in the King James. The new King James says, my son is an epileptic. That's wrong because the word in the Greek is the word moonstruck. And many incantations, uh, uh, pagan rituals are done under a full moon. In fact, uh, I remember in Hawaii, they, I remember they had this, this worshiping the spirits, uh, coming this and they had the date and it's a full moon night. And I'm going, ooh, boy, that's echoing back to what Jesus warned about. And so when we understand that, uh, epilepsy is a neurological issue, you know, our bodies don't work right. Some people, their feet don't work right. Some people, their brain doesn't work right. That's epilepsy. But but Moonstruck, I believe this kid went out and somehow got into some bad things, got into some maybe some occultic practices and got himself demon-possessed. And the word there for uh, lunatic is the word Moonstruck. Certainly not anything close to epilepsy, which also appears in a couple of the other versions, I believe, New American Standard, as well as as um, uh, a couple of the others, uh, NIV, use that word and it's improper. So, Well, I, Mike, I want to ask, Sarah, yeah. can you tell us what translation of the Bible that you, you like. like to read? Yes. Um. Well, I have like a lot of Bibles, but one of my favorites is um, the New King James, which is um, easier to read for me. Mm. And I think it's really, really cool. I think it's a cool version and it's appropriate for me. And uh, I read better like that. Sarah, you're and, amazing. Thank you for sharing that. That isn't that beautiful, Mike. We have it a is. Bible it is. It's, here. It's Sarah. great. And Sarah, you keep reading your Bible, and right. you know God's going to use you in some amazing, wonderful <laughs> ways. You know, any any, I I believe that that desire that you have to know God is put in your heart by God Himself, and because He's going to use you in a really neat way in in your life, and so. Uh, no, you just keep reading. And, and, uh, I like the new King James. Like I say, I teach out of it. I do like the, um, new American standard. I, I like that version as well. Um, but I, I think we just have to watch it when we come across some of these words that we have to look at that because, um, we don't want somebody to think that, well, because I, I can't control, you know, my brain, I have, uh, epilepsy. I'm demon possessed. That is not the case. I believe that what happens there is, again, uh, many of these things that we find in the Bible were brought on by wrong living, uh, just as much of it is brought on people's lives today. Uh, Sarah, uh, I'm so glad you called. Any other questions you have? Um, no, but thank you, Pastor. <laughs> well, Sarah, you call us anytime you like. And again, stay in line. If I haven't got you the movie Jesus, you stay on. I'll be sure to get that out to you. 
Sarah, stay on the line. We'll take care of you. Let's go to Pete, Napa, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. Hello. Yes. Yes. I'm, I've been a Bible study teacher for quite a few years, and in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and 39, it talks about the Ezekiel War. And I've read several commentaries, and I'm trying to figure out, does the Ezekiel War happen before the Tribulation, during the Tribulation, or after? I believe it has to be before the tribulation period. And there's a lot of reasons why. But one of them, if you read in Ezekiel chapter 39, it says the cache of weapons that Israel gets when these coalition of Arab neighbors coupled with Russia come down against Israel in the last days, the land of the unwalled villages, it says their cache of weapons when they win this war against incredible odds. They will win against Russia, against Turkey, against uh, Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan, that area of Persia, uh, the, 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 the countries around the Balkan states, which primarily are uh, Muslim countries. The cache of weapons is so great, it says that that will give them fuel for seven years. In other words, it says they'll be burning their weapons for seven years. Now, the problem with it being during the tribulation period is you have them burning weapons into the millennial reign of Christ. I do not believe that. I believe when Jesus comes back and sets up his thousand-year reign, he has to restore the earth. It has been so decimated by man's honestly ridiculous living, his, his greed, all these things. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew 24, Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, there would be no flesh saved. I believe, as it says, all, every living thing in the sea has died. All the trees are burned up. The waters turned to blood. I mean, it lists all these cataclysmic things. And by the way, that's why we know it did not in any way, shape, or form happen in 70 AD. Because those things did not happen then. They're not metaphorically speaking. And if somebody says they're metaphorically speaking, they're adding to God's Word and they I really strongly suggest they read uh, Revelation chapter 22 to find out what happens to people who do that. It's very clear. Now, yeah, as far as a beast with seven heads and ten horns, uh, uh, yeah, I've never seen one of those. I've been to a lot of zoos in my life. Uh, we know that's metaphorical. But there's nothing metaphorical about every living thing uh, in the sea dying. There's nothing metaphorical. And, and really understanding the nuclear capabilities. Now, even, even I, I think uh, Korea, North Korea is the 30th poorest country in the world now developing nuclear warheads. Why? They plan on using them. Duh. They're not going to do that. Why is Iran building uh, nuclear uh, uh, capabilities? They plan on using it. They're already testing ballistic missiles, I, Iran is. Um, so to me, there's no... Uh, there's no question here about the capability of man killing everything in the sea. But we do know this is during the tribulation and whether something strikes the waters, like maybe a comet, a comet named Wormwood. Interestingly enough, the Bible says something does hit our earth and causes a shock wave, kills the fish. I don't know. But I, I do know that uh, that is one of the signs. But as far as the, this war I do not. And so that when Jesus comes back, he has to restore the planet. 
Man's longevity will be back to a thousand years. He's going to restore the earth, take away the curse, all these things, make it back like it was in the Garden of Eden. And I can't see this beautiful world being restored. And down in Israel, you know, just a few miles from where Jesus is ruling and reigning, they got big clouds of smoke from burning Russian weapons or or oil or uh, something they captured from, um, you know, Turkey or, or I, I just don't see that. Uh, I don't believe it is into the millennial reign of Christ. It's They said they'll be burning the weapons for seven years. The tribulation is seven years long. I believe that this will be possibly a source of energy for Israel, at least in the first part of the tribulation period. Your thoughts? Well, we know from Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 8 and verse 16, that it will be in the latter days. Pete, that's what we know for sure. It's going to be in the latter days. And what's fascinating to me about Ezekiel 38 is that all of these nations that are mentioned there in that prophecy are now coming together, forming coalitions. And it's a matter of time before they turn all their guns onto Israel. And I think we're getting closer and closer to the Ezekiel 38 war. I don't know the day, but it's, it's coming and you see these nations. It's so amazing, really. And I'm sure Pete, as a, as a teacher of the word, and I know for Mike and I to see these things now coming to pass like puzzle pieces, just being put in place and you see the picture happening and, and it's a matter of time. And I think it's sooner than we think. Yeah. I think Russia's broke. I think that's why they made their move on, on Ukraine. Again, I've shared this many, many times. Margaret Thatcher said, communism works until you run out of everybody else's money. We see that right now in our own country with all these communist programs, you know, paying off student loans and all these different things that they're trying to do. Well, that's coming from the taxpayer's money. That is not why we pay taxes. We pay taxes to secure our borders, to have a good military, all these kind of things. But when individual groups start dipping into the till, that's the end of a nation. Because pretty soon, well, what's the next group? Who, who's the next group that's going to get free stuff? Their motto becomes, vote for me. Everything is free. Well, I believe Russia has ran out of money. And I think this is partly why they made their move on Ukraine. And uh, they're not doing so well there. I believe Russia is going to be looking around for something to help fund their corrupt system. Well, it's interesting that one of the key things in this Ezekiel 38-39 war is they come to take a spoil. They want what Israel has. One of the largest uh, deposits of minerals we find there in the Dead Sea area. Of course, you have the water resources of the Sea of Galilee. You find this huge natural gas find off the uh, off the shore of Israel now that that is they said one of the largest natural gas. Well, what is what is Russia supplying to Europe right now? Natural gas, and so they could become a major competitor. So take them out early. So yeah, we're in exciting times. I hope that answers it for you. Coming up on a break, everyone. Stay on. We'll get you out some books, DVDs. We'll be right back. Right after. If you are 65 or older, you know this. It's really frustrating to deal with out-of-pocket medical expenses, just watching your hard-earned dollars flying out the window. Well, here's something that can really help, and it's worth taking a minute to look into. MediShare has a new option. It's called MediShare 65+. Plus. And MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's health care bills. It really is a community, too. People encourage and pray for each other. 
MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years, and you can use your Medicare-approved doctor, and you also get telehealth 24-7 service, so you don't have to leave your home for the little stuff. Very worth looking into, and it's so easy to find out why people rave about the customer service at MediShare. They're easy to talk to. Call 833-90-SHARE. That's 833-90-SHARE. 833-90-SHARE. Does the Bible seem too big, complicated, and overwhelming? There's a free Bible resource that's been around for more than 25 years and is used and trusted by millions worldwide. The Enduring Word Bible Commentary by David Guzik is a clear and simple way for everyday Christians and even seasoned Bible teachers to study God's Word. David's commentary not only breaks down the entire Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse, it also provides helpful quotes from well-known Bible expositors throughout history. The commentary has also been translated into many languages, including Spanish, Arabic, Chinese, and more. Find the Enduring Word Bible Commentary as well as a free downloadable ebook called The King's Kingdom, a deeper look at the Sermon on the Mount by David Guzik at EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. That's EnduringWord.com forward slash CSN. to part two of To Every Man and Answer here on this Monday afternoon with John Randall. I'm your host, Mike Kessler, and we're going to go back to the phones. That number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. You can be part of the program today by simply just calling. We'll do our very best to give you a good Bible answer on what's going on in the world and what's going on in this life. And so you give us a call, 8888-ASK-CSN. It's toll free. You can be part of the program. We've got a couple lines open. And we're going to go to Randy in Woodland, Oregon. Hi, and welcome. Yeah, hi there. This is uh, Randy. Good to talk to you, pastors. I listen to both of your individual shows. And Mike, you come on right after that here out on the West Coast, right after this one. So I get yes, a double right. uh, whack of you. And then, John, <laughs> I know you're on early this afternoon. So very cool. Anyway, uh, I have a very simple question, but I was kind of stumped with the answer because I've heard this prayer hundreds and hundreds of thousands of times, probably. It's the uh, Lord's Prayer. So there's a line in there that Jesus said. That's the way it's translated in the Bibles that we're studying. I've got kids we take care of, or we have kids. And um, so this one child had that question. Uh, Does God lead us into temptation? Because it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So that's the question I have for you guys. Yeah, God, don't allow me to be led where I will be tempted. That's what it really is saying. Mm. Uh, And so, John, your thoughts? Well, I think that's a great response, Mike. You know, I just want to say, first of all, that the Lord does not lead us into temptation. The Bible tells us that in the book of James, in James chapter 1, James tells us really how we get into temptation. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, because God cannot tempt anybody to do evil. But man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires, and when his desire has conceived, it brings forth death. So um, we are encouraged, reminded, 
to run from temptation, to flee every form of temptation. You know, it's easy for somebody to come to the edge, Mike, and stand on the edge and dance around. It's much difficult, more difficult to stay away from the edge and walk straight with Jesus. And so, no, he doesn't lead us into temptation, but we are praying, God, help me to stay away from temptation. Help me to, to follow you, to, to follow your lead. And I think your, um, translation of that and the way that you said it really, um, helps in that way to understand, but we're not tempted by God. We, we are tempted when we go after things. So as a Christian, you want to avoid temptation, run from it. Yes, absolutely. And, and so God, you know, uh, keep us from being led in, into temptation. And that's really the, the heart of God. What he, what the understanding there is. Randy, I hope that helps. That sure did. Thank you so much. You guys love you. Thanks. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Randy, and and stay in line. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. I think you'll really uh, you'll really enjoy. Very very helpful in evangelism, and uh, great to show uh, youth groups and things like that. Let's go. Uh, blessings, Randy. Stay in line. Let's go to Teresa, Alabama. Hi, welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi. I have read uh, uh, that God supplies all your need according mm-hmm. to your riches in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wonder if that's actually true. I've been praying about a situation for a long time, and then uh, been praying about another situation since June. Uh, um, my cat eats her shots, and uh, I thought I had the money to get her shots. Mm. And I was on the phone today for over two and a half hours with the finance company about my car payment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, Teresa, you know, the Bible says that God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Now, something that I have found out, I might have a lot of wants, but I maybe not have as many needs as I think I do. You see, there's a lot of conveniences that we enjoy, but the Bible doesn't say that God will supply all of our wants. It says all of our needs. And there's a big difference between the two. Your thoughts, John? Yeah, you know, the Lord has a name and it is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And we can look to him to provide all of our needs, Teresa. And I think it's important that we pray, we bring these things to the Lord, and we trust him that he will provide. And and I, and he is the one that, that takes care of us, whatever it is. And I love the fact, Mike, that we can bring any need to the Lord, whether it be, uh, as Teresa mentioned, whether it's our cat or it's cancer or it's anything. The Lord... Has, he's our heavenly father and he wants us to come before him. He wants us to bring his request. And I'm sure like Teresa, there's other people today. Lord, are you hearing me? Are you listening? And, and sometimes the, the answer to the provision that we need doesn't always come like right in the right moment that we thought it should be there. It maybe comes after. And, and sometimes we're, we're just learning to trust God and believe him. Maybe he's got something else. And we thought, well, this is what God wanted. And, and yet, he wanted something else. He wanted something better. So I would keep that in mind. Don't lose heart. We keep on praying. We keep on seeking the Lord, and he does provide. Yeah, God opens and closes the doors according right. to his will. Mm-hmm. You see, and this, I think, is what's so dangerous about 
a lot of the positive confession movement. You just you just keep saying it and saying it and saying it till you get it. Well, maybe God doesn't want you to have it. Maybe you have been been led by your desires rather than by your needs. And I find that this is the case. And and so we want to be careful in that. And sometimes the way God moves us around according to his will is by those places where he moves us where those needs will be met. In other words, I, as long as I'm comfortable in my environment where I'm at, I'm not really maybe seeking God so much for his will, even to move me someplace else, but rather I'm just kind of happy right where I'm at. And I believe sometimes when I pray and something doesn't happen, uh, like you're looking for an apartment or something like that, and one doesn't open up, maybe God doesn't want you in that town. And we never stop to think, well, I'm just claiming my apartment. Well, you know, maybe God doesn't want you there. And see, I think a lot of times we find that that we're trying to dictate to God through our magic faith words, overruling his perfect plan for our life. And so if God does not supply the the, the answer that I want, maybe God wants something else for me, something down the road that'll be much better. And so, Teresa, I hope that helps. Well, um, I uh, just like um, the car dealership said that my car payment was passed through for January. I don't have the money. I had told them all the payments that I had made and called the bank and all this. But anyway, uh, and I'm not happy where I live and uh, I'm afraid to move. I've been here about five or six years and. Uh, I don't even get in the shower here. Uh, uh, just a bunch of stuff, and I, I, uh, I don't know. I told that that finance man. I said, "Well, I've got two options." I said, "Not make the payment, or have a wreck and just have my car total." <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, John, what would you, what would you tell her? And, and let, let's pray for her. Why don't you go ahead and pray for yeah, her? Yeah, that would because, be what I would do. I you would know, pray. there's a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of, sounds like there's a lot of needs here. And Teresa, this is one of the great things about being part of a local fellowship that we bear one another's burdens and help one another. I think that's so important. John, your thoughts. Yeah. Let's pray for you, Teresa. Father, we thank you for the call today. For Teresa, Lord, you know her needs. And God, your word says you know the things we need of even before we ask. And so, Lord, we pray that you would provide what is needed in this moment. Lord, you give Teresa wisdom as she seeks you. Lord, help her to make the right decisions, bring people into her life that could also guide and direct her. And so, Lord, we trust you with these things and we give them over to you today, Lord. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Teresa, our prayers are with you, dear. And and like I say, I would definitely really work, if you're not part of a church there, really work towards getting in and being part of a church. We're not designed really uh, to work independently. God says, you are my body, speaking of all of us. And I really believe that's such an important part of our Christianity. So 
Teresa, yeah, um, uh, you know, we'll be praying for you that God will help you. And it may very well be that these needs are what will even motivate you deeper to really become more part of the fellowship than maybe even before. Uh, I think all these things all work together for those that love God that are called according to his purpose. And so, Teresa, stay online, dear. We'll send you out a couple books, a couple of DVDs, okay? All right, thank you. All right, dear. Well, we'll be praying for you, and uh, Lord, just provide all your needs, dear, in Jesus' name. Stay online. We'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Jerry, Middleton, Idaho. Hi, welcome. Hello, sirs. God bless you both. Thank you for your wonderful programming. I had a question on the uh, – you got me? Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, The New Apostolic Reformation and also the Fivefold Ministry, I'm just trying to – I'm kind of feeling as though that's where uh, the current church that I attend is going, and I feel like I need to run out the door. So I'm just kind of wanting to get your input on it. Okay, John. Well, the New Apostolic Reformation, also known as NAR, is really an unbiblical religious movement, and they seek to emphasize experience over Scripture, over doctrine. They have modern-day apostles. They have, which would be, Jerry, included in the fivefold ministry, and we can go into a little more detail on that. But what's, what's troubling to me is some of the things, and many of the things perhaps, that the NAR is bringing in that do not line up with scripture. So I don't care what the name of your movement is. If it's not found in scripture, then I think it's a good idea to change churches. And and sometimes when people get into experience and they get away from doctrine, they get away from scripture, and it's more about experiencing God. Listen, we, we, I want to experience God, but God tells me how to do that within his word. So when you get outside of the word of God and, and it leads to aberrant doctrine and false teaching, and it's something that you have to be aware of. And sadly, we see a lot of this in the NA our movement. They have different things like fire tunnels. And I mean, there, there's a list of things that they, they're doing in the name of the Holy Spirit, which is unfortunate because it, it ends up turning people away from the real working of the Holy Spirit and the power that is available to every believer. And so I think it's really important to be discerning concerning that, especially with the NAR, Mike. And that's one of the reasons why they need modern-day apostles, is so they can add to God's Word. And this is a real tragedy. Uh, Jesus said we live by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God based on Scripture. This is what how we live our lives. And so if you don't like what the Bible says or you want to come up with a new idea, you just say, well, we have modern-day apostles that now can add to God's Word, and now the sky's the limit. And this is a dangerous place to be because, uh, you know, today, fire tunnels, tomorrow, who knows what. And these are where the problems are coming from. And, and, and the Bible says in the last days, people will not adhere to sound doctrine. What's sound doctrine? What we have in the Bible, mm-hmm. to contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to us, not continually delivered to us. This is where these people are erring. And so no matter who it is, if you're adding to God's Word whole volumes of inspired new Scripture, run, because it's inaccurate. God is not incapable of revealing who He is. He has not changed. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13.8, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And who He was in the Old Testament where we find the theophanies of Christ, where we find uh, we find 
I believe Jesus uh, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, or whether we find the life of Jesus, who he was when he walked here on this earth, or whether we find his life lived out through the early church and the apostles, Jesus doesn't change. But now all of a sudden we're going to add new, exciting dirt trails. Oh, everybody be careful of this stuff because this is what they do. And they add to God's word. Paul says, if anybody comes to you with another gospel, let him be accursed. When people come to my door and say, have you heard another gospel of Jesus Christ? I go, the Bible's already said you're cursed. You're adding to God's word. The Bible also warns about people preaching another Jesus. Now, that can come in many different forms. It can come from finely dressed people standing on your doorstep, preaching another gospel, another Jesus, to some Jesus is coming through you, uh, to you on your television set where Jesus bumbles around and makes mistakes and gotta ask the apostles for advice. No, that's another Jesus. The Bible's already declared what we need to do with that kind of doctrine. Being about our Father's business, so important in the days we're in. Jerry, I hope that helps. That does. Thank you so much. You know, Jerry, God bless you. Oh, sorry, Mike. I just want to say go, one go thing. Go ahead. Go you ahead. You mentioned the five-fold ministry. People are like, well, what is the five-fold ministry? Where that comes from, just so you know. Is a fist. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where they say that he, he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. There's five, right? So they say that these offices specifically of apostles and prophets are being restored today, that we have modern-day apostles and modern-day prophets that are available. And so you might have somebody in your church that says, I'm apostle so-and-so, or I'm prophet John. I would never uh, take that title to myself. And I guess, Jerry, one question that I had, which might help Mike and I to even answer even more specifically, because there may be people in the exact same situation that you're in, and that is this. Can you give an example of what what would you say that what caused you to go uh what threw up the red flag why all of a sudden make this call what was it that happened that caused you to make the call the the teachings some of the uh the teachings that we do uh it's along the lines of an Andy Stanley or uh along the lines of some of these faith healers that uh they're along they're kind of do the same thing as like a Kenneth Copeland would you know they can blow away your your ailments and uh, run down through the crowd of people and mow them over and think that they're healing. Uh, that's the kind of thing. This is a charismatic movement is what it is. And um, red flags have been going up for some time. So that's, that's, okay. it's concerned me for probably about a year and a half, but I've been kind of, I, I always want to have uh, trust but verify in a sense. And um, now I've, uh, it's, it's really been uh, tugging and the good Lord's been speaking. So I need to listen and, and move on. Mm. Praise what God. are your thoughts, John? Any last? Yeah, I just thought that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I think that's important, Mike, because sometimes, you know, you start going to a church and, and it starts out well, and then all of a sudden they start getting into these other things and, and guys like Andy Stanley. And, and I would say in what Andy, what Andy Stanley has been teaching is false 
I, I don't have a problem saying that I believe that Andy Stanley, uh, what he's been advocating is false teaching. And the Bible warns that in the last days, there's going to be false teachers. And you don't know necessarily just because they have a crowd that's gathering or they have an online presence. Um, I, I think we compare what they're saying to scripture. And, I, and I'm glad, Jerry, that you're being discerning. And I hope that others uh, of our listeners, if something doesn't sit right with you, go back to God's word. What does God's word say? And if the Holy Spirit, you know, Mike, he gives you that check and you realize something's not right. I don't, may not know exactly what it is. But as I go to God's Word, I see something's off. Yeah, and and that's the Holy Spirit inside of you, mm. perking your heart up, saying, hey, something's not right here. So, Jerry, stay online. We'll send you out some books and DVDs. And, uh, yeah, I'd probably be looking around for someplace else. Done. Amen. Stay online, Jerry. We'll get you taken care of. And let's go to Diana in Festus, Missouri. Hi, and welcome. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um So we were talking this weekend uh, about the Bible and various things, and one of our friends kind of aligns with a Calvinist view, which I'm not as familiar with, and he said that God has a chosen elect in the Bible, and I know it does talk about the elect in the Bible, but in his interpretation of the meaning, um, he believes that God has predestined certain people to be saved, which in my thought, that would mean certain people would also be predestined to hell. So the common ground that we found was that, yes, I I would believe that God understands who's already going to come to him and who's not because he's omniscient. But what I don't understand is this whole idea of predestination and actually God choosing who's going to go to heaven and who's going to go to hell because then you don't account for free will. So can you kind of talk about predestination and what the Bible really means when he talks about God's elect or chosen? Well, just because God knows ultimately who picks him and who doesn't, and because God knows who picks him and who he chooses to work through then because of that, does not stop any person living on this earth right now from making their choices. Just because God knows the outcome does not take away the freedom of any person right now living to make their choice. For God so loved the world, not the predestinated ones. Oh, when you get into these isms, Calvinism, it's interesting. It's called Calvinism. It's because it's not Christianity. If it was normal Christianity, it would be Christianity. But it's, it's an ism, like Mormonism, like any other ism. Isms, schisms, they're all the same. They have varied from what God's word says. Go preach the gospel to the predestinated ones. No, it doesn't say that. It says, preach the gospel to every creature. We're not really truly a human being restored right until we get right with God. God so loved the world, whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. In the book of Revelation, the last few verses, it said, the spirit and the bride say, come. It doesn't say to the predestinated ones. No, this is some really poor eschatology when we look at end times, the way God's going to bring it all about, and just some poor theology in that God only allows certain people to go to heaven. The invitation, well, it's not that you chose me, I chose you. John 3.16 says God chose everybody, but not everybody chooses God. 
Your thoughts, John? Well, I think the difficulty lies in the fact that we are unable as finite individuals to fully comprehend the infinite God when it comes to free will and the sovereignty of God. And the problem I have with Calvinism, and there are many, but one specifically is you isolate the sovereignty of God from every other attribute where he reveals himself to be. So you isolate his sovereignty. The problem is this, when you go through the Bible, and it's not a problem, actually, when Spurgeon was asked, how do you reconcile free will and and the sovereignty of God? He said, why do I need to reconcile friends? The Bible teaches both. The best way to understand is this. When you come to a place in Scripture where it says choose, that's what you preach. When you come to a place that says you're predestined, that's what you preach. The Bible says both. Imagine it like this, Diane. I think it's a good way to think of it. Imagine two poles extending up into the sky. If you were to look up side by side, they're going up, 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 and then somewhere they cross. They intersect. That that's in heaven. It makes perfect sense in heaven how the, how this works. The problem with the Calvinists is that they say God's atonement is limited. Limited atonement. That is a false teaching. God's atonement is not limited. It's for the world, as Mike said. The other thing to think about, I love what uh, Ironside said. He said this. He said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to look, I'm going to come to the gates, and I'm going to see on the front of it, choose you this day who you will serve. And then I'm going to walk through those gates, and I'm going to look back and see chosen before the foundations of the world. Listen, the Bible teaches both. God is sovereign and he also has a free will, but we are not able in our finite ability, we only know in part, to fully understand the the depths of the sovereignty of God. I don't fully understand the love of God, but I embrace it and I'm thankful for it. So I would steer clear of Reformed theology, specifically Calvinism. Amen. And I hope that helps. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah, again, the Great Commission, go preach the gospel to every creature, not the predestinated ones. And I think that's so important. And uh, uh, you see, God's an ogre God, according to these guys, and he deliberately puts people on earth to send them to hell. <laughs> what a sick doctrine that is. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, I could never, I could never witness to anybody with that kind of ideal uh, that kind of idea uh, of what God is like. For God so loved the world, John 3, 16. Mm-hmm. He sent his only begotten son that whosoever, that means anyone, will call upon him, he, he'll save them. Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible says. So being about our daddy's business, so important. Diane, I hope that helps. And... um Let's see. We're going to go. We got enough time to get Dan in. Hi, Dan. Hi, how you doing? Good. How may we help? Uh, just wondering, reading through Mark or reading through the New Testament or our church and that, and uh, notice one thing there. I've been curious in the past. Jesus healed the blind man in there, and he touched his eyes. The man could see objects, but not clearly, and then he had to touch him a second time. What significance is there, if any, to the fact that he actually did a two-step? I believe sometimes God's healings are instantaneous, and I believe God also heals over a period of time. Now, whether it's a few seconds between one prayer and another where he says, I see men as trees walking, or whether it's over a period of 10 years or 20 years, or that when God actually takes us to heaven and will finally be healed of this old fleshly body that breaks down. Your thoughts, John? I love that. I, I love that it's, you know, God works differently. You know, Jesus healed more than one blind man in the scriptures. And he didn't always heal in the same way every time. This guy, he, you know, he spit in the mud, put mud in his eye. You know, he started to see, 
And then he, he said, I see men like trees. And then there's a second touch. And I've seen that in people's lives, Dan, where the Lord has touched somebody's life and they're starting to get it. They're starting to come around. And then the Lord just does an even deeper work. And suddenly it makes sense. I get it. I, I love that the Lord didn't give up on this blind man, Mike. Amen. I'm glad he didn't give up on us either. Amen. So, uh, so important yeah. in the days we're in. And so stay in line, Dan. We're out of time. And uh, we had a question from Kenny. What does it mean that, that where Saul and Jonathan's hearts were knit together? It means they were best friends, that they both saw it the same way. That's all it means. Stay in line. We'll get you books and DVDs. Thanks, John, for being on. Look forward to being back with you all tomorrow. So call back then. We'll put you on first. Or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.